and head upstairs. That's a great song, isn't it? Love that will not let me go, man. No matter how hard or far or fast we try to run away from God, His clutch on us is um, strong. <laughs> I was looking for the right word there. His clutch is clutchful. It's clutch. It's clutch in the clutch. <laughs> hey, this past uh, Thursday and Friday, uh, there was a group of 14 of us that went to a, uh, a leadership conference, the Willow Creek Leadership Summit. Uh, we watched it uh, via satellite from uh, Frederick Boulevard here. It's, it's broadcast all over the world. Uh, Willow Creek is a church in Chicago that just has a, a real passion for equipping and encouraging leaders um, all around the world. And the last several years that I've been to it, I've gotten into the habit of not writing my sermon before I go and kind of saving it for Saturday because inevitably God says something during the course of that time that um, stirs up something in my heart and so I just kind of wait and just let him kind of speak to me, which puts a little pressure on, but uh, uh, this year was no exception. So during the conference uh, on the first day, on Thursday, kind of towards the end of the day, this really young guy gets up to speak from North Carolina, and uh, as young as speaker I'd ever seen uh, them invite, he was a pastor. Uh, he started a church in Charlotte, North Carolina in 2006, the same year that we started Wellspring. He started with a group of 14 people. We started with 13. So we had some similarities there. Um, but that's pretty much where the similarities ended uh, because his church now is 10,000 people. Um, and last weekend, they baptized 1,400 people in one Sunday. Um, and so this is the text that I get from Erica Albin during this guy's talk. She says, we've decided what might be holding Wellspring back is your lack of willingness to wear really tight jeans. <laughs> now, this guy had some skinny jeans on. You know what I'm talking about. But he did not have the body to back it up. So needless to say, it was a little bit disgusting, <laughs> disturbing. So then Friday, the last speaker of uh, that day comes up, and his jeans are about four inches too short. And they kind of stop right at the top of these clunky boots that he's wearing. And I just kind of look over to Erica and I'm like, God's just going to have to work within the limitations of my current fashion sense, however you define what I am, post-preppy, or I don't even know how you describe my, my fashion sense, but there are just certain places I'm not going to go. Tight jeans is one of them. High waters is another. So... Thank you. Thank you. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I also do not have the body to support the tight jeans look. So unless you are really skinny, I don't recommend it. Um, Bill Hybels is the founding pastor of, of uh, Willow Creek, and he is usually always the guy that kind of kicks that conference off. And uh, in, in the, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, he gave a talk basically uh, about how you take a church or an organization from here to there. And uh, basically from where you are now to wherever it is that God is calling your group of people, your particular church 
community in your particular city or context, knowing that what God has in store for Wellspring Community Church in St. Joseph, Missouri is a different calling and vision in some ways than any other place uh, in the world. He has something very specific for us, even though we all have common mandates as Christians, there's something specific he has for us. So today I want to share a little bit of an overview with you. One of kind of where we've been, but also where we as a leadership team here feel like God is leading us uh, in the next year. In other words, basically how we are going to get from here to there, where God is calling us. And um, I hope that this time will be insightful, encouraging for you, uh, because we're going to be asking you here in the next few weeks to to participate with us, to sign up, to do some things. And uh, so this hopefully will give you a little bit of context of where we're coming from. You know, one of the driving forces when we got together a little over five years ago to start this church was that we really wanted to create a place um, where people could really be authentic and genuine with one another. I was just desperate based on, you know, my previous church experiences. I was desperate just to be with a group of people who just wanted to be honest who just wanted to stop putting on the mask and, and dressing up on Sunday mornings and pretending that everything was fine, um, that who really wanted to, to dig deep and, and to be open about the fact that, you know what, we're just all a mess. We're all a broken, a messed up group of people. So let's just have that be the baseline and let's work from there. And, but not only that, because sometimes it's really easy for people to just kind of say, yeah, I'm a mess and blah, blah, blah. But to be committed to helping people move forward from there, to heal, to, to get some understanding on how you got to where you're at and how you're going to move forward and, and to be committed to helping help people become the people that God desires them to be. And that's just been a lot bigger challenge than I think any of us expected when we started this church. Um, one of the things that's been difficult is that, uh, you know, that group of folks that were here kind of in the beginning, um, we had never been a part of a church that had really taken that seriously. And so in a lot of ways, we really didn't know how to begin to get beneath the surface in our own hearts and kind of unpack some of the, the baggage that we'd been carrying through life. We certainly really didn't know how to appropriately handle that with other people uh, as they revealed some things as well. So we had the desire at some level, but I really felt like we lacked the tools, looking back on it now, and, and the knowledge and kind of the common language and probably honestly kind of a uh, an awareness of our own brokenness. I mean, I think we had an awareness at some level, but I think it's, it was way deeper than we really probably knew at the time, just how messed up we were. <laughs> so after making some initial, and I think kind of well-meaning attempts to, uh, to help people kind of go a little bit deeper uh, together, trying to lead some of our new attenders those first couple of years as they came to Wellspring into, into deeper community and intimacy, but honestly, asking them to go to places that some of us hadn't even been or honestly weren't even willing to go. We became a little bit discouraged, I think, um, a little frustrated. Um, now, our church at that time was still growing. Good things were still happening. But we really just didn't, I think, at that time, have the information that we needed and the awareness that we needed of how broken we were to get there. So I believe that at that time, about three years ago, God in his graciousness just kind of granted us some time and gave us a, a little different uh, calling for a couple of years. And so if you've been around here the last two or three years, we've really focused a lot on kind of broadening our worldview. And we've really looked at the scriptures and said, what is it um, that's really on God's heart? And we've tried to kind of, you know, pray. We've prayed prayers, you know, God, break our hearts for the things that break yours. And we've, we've 
turned our focus outward in a lot of ways towards things going on in our world, things going on in our community here in St. Joseph. We've partnered with a lot of ministries and done a lot of work through things like Living Water, uh, World Orphans. We've done things locally with St. Serve and Food for Kids and uh, Edison Elementary, uh, Young Life, Second Harvest. And there's been a lot of really significant and good things that have gone on during this season for us. But I would have to tell you that all along that time, even while, again, some really good things have been happening, there's just been something that's just been gnawing at the back of my mind and in my heart. It's just like, man, we've got to get back to figuring out how we help people really receive some, some healing and, uh, and some freedom at a whole different level in their life. Um, people that are willing to kind of take a, a deep and hard look at their own hearts. Uh, you know, I mean, I think it's true. I think all across the world that there are, there are lots of people who go to church and they're doing all of the things that they think make what a good Christian is. And I think they haven't, have good intentions and they, they're giving and they're serving and they're reading their Bible and they're praying and they're engaged in community with other people. But I think that there's a large majority of those people that sit in the pews across the world today that call themselves Christians who are really unaware of the destructive sin patterns roaming around in their hearts, often beneath the surface, that keep them from fully receiving and giving love to God and receiving and giving love to one another. And I think that those destructive sin patterns kind of wield their ugly heads in relationships that we experience, and, and a lot of times kind of in unintended ways. In April of 2010, I was at a church conference in Chicago, and I was sitting at a, a group of a, a little round table uh, having a discussion after a presentation, and, and at my table was this lady from a church in St. Louis, and it was a church that I'd heard of before, um, but she was just telling me about this book called The Emotionally Healthy Church, and how her staff and elders and leaders, they'd all gone through it together. They kind of required them all to, to kind of go into this together. And just what a profound impact it had made on their church community. So I was asking her some questions. I was pretty intrigued by this thing. And um, so that conversation that day really kind of started a journey that has led us to uh, today and some of the things that I'm going to share with you this morning. Last school year, um, the advisory board and myself, there's about five or six of us that we went through this book. We read it. There's a little workbook that comes with it. We did some of the activities that, um, that went along with that uh, to get a better grasp of some of the kind of undiscovered issues that might be roaming around in our own lives. A lot of those things uh, that we discovered were, were sinful patterns that have been passed down through our family, through generations, whether it's keeping secrets or or lying, or having affairs, or whatever it might be. I mean, it could be a host of different things. Um, we've also seen that some of the coping patterns that we adopted to kind of get us through uh, our family of origin um, might have served us well to survive whatever our family life was like. Um, and all of us have them, no matter how healthy you know our family is. Um, but eventually, some of those coping patterns... Um, become patterns of self-protection in our lives that really keep us from fully loving other people and receiving love from them. And it had a pretty profound impact on a lot of us. 
And so as we continued to pray and we were trying to figure out, okay, how do we take this from our experience to the whole church? And we, we thought there needed to be another step. And so this past summer, we invited our spouses and our staff and their spouses to all come and do this together with us. And so this summer, we've been meeting every Sunday night now for, I don't know what it is, 10 or 11 weeks, um, going through all this stuff together. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to share a little bit more about what we're going to invite you to as it pertains to that uh, study this past year. But before I get into that, I want to share with you just in general, kind of a a big picture of what God has been doing uh, this past year, kind of leading us up and positioning us for this next school year. Um, You know, one of the things that we've been talking about um, is establishing another layer of leadership, inviting more people here who have some leadership gifts into uh, a leadership opportunity. So we established this, uh, this core team, we're calling it. And uh, those are going to be some folks that are going to meet with our board and staff quarterly. And they're going to take a look at um, some of the initiatives and, and ask some questions and give some feedback. And then also be some of the leaders that will help roll some of those things out, those initiatives uh, that we bring to the church. So the first day that we put a sign-up sheet, when Erica came and shared that last week, we had three people sign up. And so I called her after church. I was like, how'd it go? And she's like, well, we had three people sign up. I'm like, dang it. So, but since then, God has brought us about 15 people uh, who are expressing interest in that. And we hope to settle on a group of about 12 um, who can begin investing and sharing in some of the responsibility with our church as well. So that process has been really encouraging for us. And one of the things that we asked in there is, is what do you have a passion for seeing our church grow in? And it's been interesting to see some of the themes of some of the people, probably about a third of the folks identified uh, that, that getting more ingrained in our community, in our neighborhood, uh, right here around our building was, was something that they felt like we really need to continue to stretch ourselves in. And I would agree. And so there's definitely going to be some things with that that we're going to be doing in the year ahead. Another big piece of the puzzle for us and leading us to where we are now is, is some staff shifting that's taken place. Stacy left being our children's director about a year and a half ago, a little bit over a year ago. And we've been trying to find the, the sweet spot for her. She's got a lot of different gifts and abilities. And so we settled on her just really kind of leading our, our discipleship movement and, uh, and helping people grow in their faith and deepen their intimacy and connection with one another. Um, so she really led us through this study this summer with our staff and our board and their spouses. And she's probably a person more than anyone here that really is trying to figure out how to live life like this in a healthy way. So... Uh, Also, you know, about a month ago, a little over a month ago, we hired Justin Amos, um, took uh, a little bit of a financial risk in bringing him on. Um, We really feel like he's going to add a lot to our community. Um, But he's been obviously leading our band, playing drums, uh, but also he's developing our college and young adult ministry here, which we've never really had somebody who's really been a point person for that per se. So, um, So Justin's doing some great things there already. You know, they've had the awkward young adult gathering and, you know, that was a success. So, um, but finally, after much prayer and uh, and work by our board and staff over the past year, uh, kind of the third part of what we feel like God's been doing is leading us to kind of launch this Emotionally Healthy Church uh, study and also some some small groups. Um, So we're going to be explaining more about that. Uh, in the year ahead. And really, we want to do two things. We want people to deepen their, their relationship with Christ, and we want people to deepen their connection with one another. 
Um, we don't want it to be, you know, six months from now, there would be anybody here that has the excuse that I just don't know anybody here. I don't have opportunities to get to know people. So we're going to wipe that off your, your plate as an excuse. So that'll be on you in a few months, okay? So another thing that God is doing is, as far as what we're going to be talking about uh, from the pulpit uh, this year, this, my sermon series is going to be on life together. And that's a title of a book that a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote uh, who was a, a German pastor who was killed during um, World War II for uh, resisting uh, the Nazi regime in Germany. And he talked about uh, doing life together. And so I'm going to be going through the letters of Paul in the New Testament and, and looking at ways that he talked to the early churches about how they were supposed to live life as a family of God together. So all this stuff is going to be intertwined uh, until you're sick of it uh, by May. Okay? But we're going to learn to love one another, doggone it. So... All of that being said, uh, I think that there's probably some different reactions of people here this morning. Uh, I think that there's probably a larger segment of you uh, that are pretty excited about some of the things that we're doing. Either you are excited that we're having a core team or that you're going to be a part of that. Um, you're excited about some of the staff that we've hired or repositioned here, or you're really excited about uh, being a part of, of this study uh, or being a part of a small group and getting to know some people, I would say that's, that's probably the majority. But I also believe that there's a segment of you here um, who honestly kind of just like your life and your church experience kind of the way it is. Um, you're not really interested in um, going deeper uh, or really getting to know other people here. And I can't make you do anything, even though I have been working out, so wouldn't put it past me. But um, I would pray that you might reconsider, and, and I would pray that maybe you would really ask some why questions. For one, what is it about going a little bit deeper in your relationship with God that, that scares you <laughs> or frightens you? Because it is kind of a scary thing. Or maybe what is it about getting to know some other people at a deeper level that, that you resist? And, and really, is that healthy? <laughs> Uh, and is that the best approach for you? And those are really only questions that, that you can answer. This past week, I was reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and I came across this verse, verse 2. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. You know, all of us in, in life have been given a trust, We've been given gifts and abilities by God that he's given for us to use. He's, he said, hey, I want you to steward these gifts well. He's given us, most of us, you know, if we have a job, you have some money that he's given to you. And he said, hey, I want you to steward this well for my kingdom. Some of us have spouses or children or just friendship relationships that he's given us. And he said, hey, I want you to, I'm entrusting these things to you. I want you to steward these things well. Now, all of us that call Wellspring their home church, you guys have also, along with me, along with our board, along with our core team, you have been entrusted with a vision as well. And I think that that's a, a, something that's a little bit of a difficult thing for a lot of people that either have been going to church or even if you haven't, to come into a church community and say, oh, that's my responsibility too? I thought it was just the paid people that had to get things done around here. So I want to encourage you guys that um, this is what we're sharing with us today. If you call Wellspring home, this is, what, this is what God has been speaking to the leadership here. 
This is for you. This is something for you to be a part of and for you to kind of own as well. And you can choose to embrace that vision and take some ownership for it, or you can kind of just pass the buck and sit back and let somebody else be responsible. But I really want to encourage you that if this place has meant something to your life, if being a part of Wellspring has added value to your family or to you, then I want to invite you to see yourself as kind of a stakeholder here, someone who's, who's intricately entwined in helping to see this vision of deepening spiritual growth and deepening community become a reality. And that's going to begin with your own involvement. And hopefully, as you get involved, it's going to trickle out to the people you share your pews with on Sunday morning and and hopefully even people outside of our doors. As you become a new person, a different person, more like Christ, that that would have impact far beyond these walls as you go about life. And so the question really kind of is, are you going to be in the game or are you going to be a spectator this year as we go about this, this journey? The last thing that I want to share with you this morning is something that I think is a very critical piece of this whole process, and that's that uh, we can sit around and come up with a lot of strategy and plans and goals. It, it's something that, that some of us around here that I surround myself with, they're pretty good at. We can, we can look at a problem and say, this is how we need to address it, bam, bam, bam. But you know, if we do it apart from humility and apart from prayer, and apart from being, seeing God's power released through us in a way that where he can you know, accomplish more than we can accomplish on our own strength and our own abilities, then everything that we do from here on out is either doomed to fail or it's doomed to be much less than what God had hoped that we would accomplish this year. And so if praying for Wellspring... And, and what we do here and for our leadership and for me is not a normal part of your spiritual life. It needs to become one. And I don't know if you need to write a note on your calendar or stick it on your driver's you know, wheel so you see it every day when you drive or put it in your journal or wherever you're going to see it. You guys, you need to be praying for our community. We're not smart enough and talented enough and witty enough to pull this stuff off on our own. Okay, let's not be foolish in thinking that. Another thing that I really think we need to keep in mind, and this isn't just for wellspring, this is just for life, is that any time that we are moving in a direction towards God, any time that we're moving in a direction towards a deeper relationship with Him, any time that we're moving uh, towards a deeper relationship with, with a community of people, we are going to be opposed by God's enemy, Satan. That is the last thing that He wants to have happen in your life or in this church. And so we acknowledge that going into the year, that we're, we're going to be attacked in some way. When you start bringing some stuff up into the surface that, that Satan has been using to kind of keep you from being free and whole and, 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 and damaging your relationships, and you start dealing with some of that stuff and, and looking to get it healed, it's going to be painful in a good way, but it's going to stir some stuff up that might be difficult for you and your spouse or you and your friend or you and your parents or whoever you've got to work some things out with. There's going to be a great temptation to turn and run the other way and just stuff it all back down and say, well, maybe I'll look at this in 10 years. Anytime you start moving closer to people and investing in new relationships and and growing in intimacy, it's going to rub 
You're going to learn that you're going to have to forgive and some stuff's going to get stirred up and you're going to have to show grace to people in ways that maybe you haven't before and it's going to be difficult. Last night, honest to God, I, was, I wake up, I don't know, it was about three o'clock and I'd been having this dream where people at church were attacking me about some things that I hadn't done. And I'm like, man, I haven't even given the sermon yet. <laughs> and Satan's already messing with me. So we know that we are going to be under attack. But I, but I think the thing that we need to keep in mind, and you need to keep in mind in your own life, is when that happens, that, that we're not the enemy here. <laughs> right? Jesus says that we have a common enemy whose job it is to steal and kill and destroy our lives. That's his job. But thankfully for us, we serve a Savior who the Bible says, in him all things are possible. We serve a Savior who, who, who says that I want to do exceedingly more than you could ever ask or imagine. Whatever vision you have for what you think this year might look like for you, God's is greater. We also serve a Savior who says about himself that I came that you might have life and have it to the full. And so it's into his very capable hands that we kind of lay this vision. We lay our lives, as that guy prayed earlier as we read that prayer, that we abandon ourselves to God and we say, God, we know, I know that I've got some places to go in my own relationship with you, in my relationship with others, and I'm willing to go there uh, with this group of people on this journey. So let's pray towards that end this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done uh, in our lives individually. We thank you for what you've done in this church of Wellspring Community Church. God, it's been a great ride. We've seen you do some great things. We know that some lives have changed in significant ways, Lord, but I, I believe uh, and our leadership believes that you've been calling us into even deeper places, deeper levels of revelation about what motivates us, what drives us, and whether those things are healthy or not, Lord. Ways that we are self-protecting and guarding our hearts in ways that keep us from really fully loving and engaging with other people and with you. Lord, we know that sometimes because of our brokenness, we keep people at an arm's length. And so we need some breakthroughs in community and what it means to be a family of God together. Father, we commit these things to you. God, we, we put our, our hearts in, in the ring and say, man, I'm in. I, I want this. I want that not just for myself, but I want it for, for this community, for people that are, are living a life less than what God has for them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before the band starts, I, I real quickly want to share with you, we're going to start signing up uh, today uh, for this Emotionally Healthy Church study. And the premise kind of behind this this book uh, that was written by a guy who's a pastor in Queens, New York. He started a church, uh, and it just blew up. Um, I mean, just thousands and thousands of people came, and it just kind of got away from him. Um, and so one day, about 15 years into this thing, his wife came to him and said, I quit your church. I'm done. And so he was like, whoa, hey, <laughs> we need to start looking at some things. And so this really is what that journey was born out of. And these are, I just want to share a couple of his quotes. He said, God often uses pain to get us to change. My experience working with people as a pastor over the last 22 years has convinced me that unless there is sufficient discomfort and anguish, most will not do the hard work to take a deep, take a deep honest look inside. This seems especially to apply to men and women in midlife. 
It has been rightly said, we change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. Through pain, we often develop a hunger for change. We say, I must have it. Something must break through in my life. I cannot continue playing church. On the one hand, I have seen young people training to be leaders respond brilliantly and experience significant changes in their lives when exposed to a discipleship model that integrates emotional and spiritual maturity. They are not in a crisis nor in extreme pain, yet they mature and grow. On the other hand, it seems to take a crisis or extreme distress to get others of us who have been in the church a long time to change. And that section for me was probably one of the most powerful sections of this book because I've been asking the question, my, my children are growing up in a home now where they have Christian parents. Um, and that was not my experience growing up. Um, and so it's really hard for me to, to know what my expectations are for them and what their journey is going to look like. And as I talk to other people who have grown up in Christian homes and I ask them, well, you know, when did it really click for you? Like, when did it, this whole Christian thing really start making sense? It was like, oh, man, it was when I hit bottom and I went through this horrible thing, this tra- you know, and I was like, is that the only way it can happen? And so when I read this, I had some hope. Now, I'm not discounting the fact that we need pain and trials, and that is one way that God grows us, but I, I think that we can do a better job as a community of Christ of educating people on, on how much emotional health is important so that they can begin experiencing maturity and growth in ways that might prepare them to better handle those crises. Because when people go through crises, it, it can go one of two ways. They can either ditch God and be gone forever, or they can lean into it and, and grow. And so luckily, those people I talked to chose that. But there's the other alternative is just, just as real, and I don't want that. <laughs> Here's what he says about emotionally healthy churches. This will be the last thing. In emotionally healthy churches, people take a deep, hard look inside their hearts, asking what is going on that Jesus Christ is trying to change. They understand that a person's life is like an iceberg, with the vast majority of who we are lying deep beneath the surface. They invite God to bring to their awareness and to transform those beneath the surface layers that hinder them from becoming more like Jesus Christ. King David, in his his famous psalm after he'd been found out uh, for having an affair and killing his mistress's husband, wrote this psalm, Psalm 51. And in verse 6, he says this about God. He says, God, surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. God wants us to stop living the lies that we're living. And all of us do it at different levels of extremity. He desires for there to be truth in us and for those things that need to be dealt with to brought to the surface. He's a loving God. He's going to do it in a way um, that's going to restore you. That's his desire. Um, But we need a community of people to do that with us. Um, Honestly, some of you aren't ready for this. (laughs) Um, This is is pretty challenging stuff. Um, Just to give you an idea of the commitment level, uh, these brochures are on the back of the table uh, back there when you leave today. Um, it'll have all the information on the inside, the details. Uh, it starts on, it's going to be on Tuesday nights here at the church from 6 to 8. Um, each week we'll have dinner. We'll have um, some teaching time and some small group discussion. There'll be child care provided. The cost is $15 for the book and the materials. Um, so you can sign up uh, on the back table uh, in, here in the next couple weeks uh, for that if you're interested. Um, we're also going to be launching about six to eight new small groups 
um, that are going to be focused and centered around the, the sermon topics, uh, which might be a, a gentler entry level uh, into community. And because um, I, I do think that there has to be a certain amount of, of uh, I don't know, just spiritual awareness and self-awareness and commitment uh, in order to have to go through that, that study. I mean, it's, it's going to be, um, you know, there's going to be probably about an hour's worth of reading and some questions to answer. So that's not for everybody. They don't have the time or Tuesday night doesn't work for them. The small groups we're going to have on every night of the week, um, really trying to find a time that works for you. So um, let's stand and uh, sing today as we close.